0: Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I'm Janet Denton-House and I specialize in helping women who are married to men want and enjoy intimacy more. So if you've ever felt like it was a chore, even though you really love your husband, you are not alone and this is the show for you. Join me as I have open and honest conversations about sex, marriage, and everything else in the bedroom. I promise to never tell you to just do it spice things up, or buy some lingerie. Let's get started. I am so excited to start off this podcast with a really, really special friend. I was thinking about what to do for my second episode, and I really wanted to bring you in, in a conversation amongst friends to kind of give you a big picture perspective on how I look at the topic of low libido and some of my overarching themes of why I believe some women just don't want sex. So, Dr. Laura Froyen Lynch, to say your full name, is here (laughs) to have a conversation with me. The reason why I thought she would be a perfect person to start us off here is because not only is she such a close friend and I'm a little nervous so it's nice to have close friends nearby but also she is a trained therapist can we say that
1: yeah I'm a trained marriage and family therapist there we go so she's in the world of this
0: already Plus, she has gone through my program, Wanting It More, and so she has an understanding of what my philosophy is. And she also has her own podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about at the end. (laughs) And get used to having her on because she's a really great friend, and I'm just going to be begging her to come back again and again and again. So, Laura, maybe it would be a good place to start for you to share your own journey with the topic of sex and how you came into my little world, and then we'll go from there. Sound good?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Jana. Um, and thank you for putting this information out there because the, the world of, of sex education, even amongst professionals like myself, is so radically different than what you teach. So I have a PhD in um, human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. Um, I took sex therapy classes as a graduate student. I worked with couples on their marital and sexual relationships. Um, I've been to therapy with my own husband um, to a sex therapist that ultimately did more harm than good to our relationship um and to my to to me and my sense of safety in our marriage. Um, and I just, you know what you're going to be talking about on this podcast I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited for for us for the world to to learn from you um, so I, I grew up in a in a setting in the United States where women uh, and girls are told that our value and our worth um, is defined by our attractiveness to to men and um, I have a a pretty complex history of sexual trauma. Um, That's a direct result of culture and rape culture. Um, Have grappled with that a lot in my life. And as a young woman, um, and in the early days of my marriage with my husband, I I, I thought I loved sex. (laughs) I thought I loved Intimacy. I'm quite a passionate person. I'm quite a sensitive person a deeply feeling person Um, and then in The course of marriage and having kids and trying to get pregnant and and we my husband and I were in grad school together uh, I just stopped wanting to have sex and I wanted to get back to that feeling of feeling you know good in my body feeling good in my relationship and it really felt like it was my fault and my my problem that it wasn't there for me anymore um i know that i'm different than some of the, the folks who find this podcast something that's different um about me is that i you know kind of un- subconsciously chose a partner who felt really safe to me so he is I, you know, when we started out um, as a couple, I was the pursuer. I was the person who had kind of a higher sex drive. um, And that felt really safe to me because of my my sexual trauma in the past. Um, But the the problem is with that, when when I started not feeling it so much, not wanting to be intimate um, and physically intimate, especially after having kids, um, that part of our lives just fell away because he was also wasn't pursuing it um and we didn't know what to do you know we didn't know how to move forward even though i like literally knew how to do sex therapy and we tried stuff on our own you know we tried i knew all like the sensate focus exercises and you know um touching for your own pleasure and stuff but the way we went about it didn't work so we went to see i'm sorry am i talking too much this is great okay <laughs> yeah super
0: relatable i'm sure a lot of women are listening to this and seeing yeah. themselves in your story
1: yeah so so we found a sex therapist who was t- super sex positive which is how i want to feel about how i thought i was supposed to feel about sex the you know like you know that mm, yeah give it an ooh yeah it feels so good you know like that's what I thought it, it was I'm supposed to be like you know um and she basically just worked on my getting my husband to be more sexually aggressive with us um and that was the opposite of what I needed I chose my wonderful husband Dan because he was very sexually safe for me you know um so the work I did with you, Jana, um, rocked my world uh, and helped us understand that the the dynamic that we had that really prioritized my, my felt sense of safety in our relationship. I mean, the therapist I worked with was wrong to try to challenge or change that. Um, and that we actually needed to lean into that even more. Um, and that's... When things started to shift for us mm. yeah. it's
0: interesting that you bring up this idea that you wanted sex or you enjoyed sex before
1: yeah Do i'm not you... sure if i did or not i don't know it's also confusing isn't it it's so confusing it's such a mind bleep like it's such a like a You know, it's just such a, it's such a, you call it cultural soup. You know, you call it like, it's just so confusing. I don't know if I, if I liked it or if I thought I was supposed to like it and that was me liking it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I still can't tell all the time.
0: Was there a sense before that you wanted to get back to it? The good old days that you wanted to get back to that feeling when you started to not want it very much
1: there was and then there was also this like sneaking like part of me like this like this like sneaking suspicion this kind of like questioning part of me that that like I don't know like my intuition maybe I don't know telling me that that wasn't actually what I need to be getting back to too that there were parts of my sex life that were very performative that were very focused on on the guy and his experience and you know if i wasn't going to have an orgasm feeling the need to fake it because how can his fragile ego handle it if i'm not enjoying myself that me enjoying myself was for him and not for me anyway there's there was that stuff there so th- i i think in the back of my mind i always knew that that going back wasn't actually the answer because i think i would just end up back right back where i was that i needed to move forward in it into something new but i didn't know what that was and there's no i don't there's no one telling us what it's supposed to be like you know like as a teenager all you see is what's in movies or you know I wasn't exposed to pornography um, as a teen. Uh, If I had been, if I was growing up now as a teenager, I don't even want to think what the, you know, I, but I wasn't. So all I really knew about um, was what was in movies, you know, and I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in a circle.
0: So you would have said that you identified as somebody who could, almost do sex really well. Yeah. Yeah. You knew how to have an orgasm. You knew how your body worked, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think I'm asking because I'm always wondering when people say, oh, our sex life is great. I'm always wondering what does that actually
1: mean? Yeah. I think that before having kids, Maybe before starting grad school, um, my, our sex life was great. Would have been our response, my response like that. And I think it would have been what that meant was that it met the cultural norm and expectation for early marriage sex. Frequency. What I thought it was supposed to look like. Frequency, you know, a couple times a week. And, you know, but most of the time I was faking orgasms. We weren't having deep conversations about what we liked. We were doing, you know, it was not it's not like it is now. Mm. Like it's it was very prescriptive and performative. It was very much about looking a certain way and doing, you know, certain things. And a, there was a formula to it almost. And, and that so we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> but yeah. it's you do know what I mean? But it wasn't, I do. it wasn't yeah. like, you know, and I mean, I think even back before, you know, so because of my, my trauma, and the or kind of early experiences of having very little agency over my body and over my sexual experience. I, am, I kind of, as a, an att- in an attempt to keep myself safe, had to come to the conclusion that if saying no is never going to matter, I may as well be saying yes and enjoying it, you know, and at least convincing myself that I am enjoying it, you know, because it's going to happen anyway, whether I say no, yes or no or not. So I, you know, I, I'm sick of being raped. <laughs> And so I may as well just say yes. Wow.
0: That makes so much sense. And so it's a form of empowerment. Self-preservation? Self-preservation. I, I almost want to say, get on top of it. <laughs> We're talking about sex. But that feeling of, I'll own this. Yeah, I need to own something here. Mm hmm. But it's still within the framework of what you thought it should be. So it really wasn't coming from a place of who you are as a woman and what you really need as Laura.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at that point in my life too, like my entire like worth was built on getting that external validation of being attractive to men, too. I mean, a huge part of it. Academics, being academically successful, you know, acing all my courses, getting the internships, you know, getting the like, you know, having academic success and, you know, getting that male feedback. Those were the things that like culture trained me to value my worth was defined by those things. And so there was this, like, it's this vicious little cycle of like, if I want to step out of that, that means like I have to feel worthless. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, and I've been doing that work for a long time. And now I don't have to seek out attention from random men to feel like I'm a worthy, valid human being, you know, but gosh, I feel Lots of sadness and compassion for 20-year-old Laura. Yeah. It was hard hard
0: for her. So hard. It's so hard for us now. It's just so hard for women. Especially in the realm of sex and body image and attractiveness and worthiness. It's just, we've been doing this for...
1: Ever, yeah. yeah I mean and not just forever for us but for generations of us too yeah you know that's kind of what I meant
0: like from the beginning of time it's been like this for women well maybe different eras it's been different but
1: at the very least from the beginning of the agrarian
0: culture yeah whatever that means
1: <laughs> well when we started farming modern in the,
0: day times
1: when we started farming and owning land
0: right and and farming and owning women yeah we became commodities right yeah i mean that's the history of of it and so then you had children and things shifted and changed a bit for you
1: yeah and then you i think st- it was a thing a, a place of like my body was being used already in lots of ways you know And I just wanted it to be mine. You know, it had been used for so long. And then I finally had this partner who never used it, ever. And then I had kids who were using it to grow and to nurse and, you know, and for comfort. And I just wanted it to be mine. And it was easy. It was easy because my partner was so safe, too. You know, it it was just lots of space. I know that... Lots of folks feel the same, that need for space, that need for for it, your body to just be yours, you know, in the early motherhood. And they don't have the space. They don't have a husband who's giving them that, who is, gosh, who's giving them that space. Ooh, it just feels yucky to even say that, you know, because we should be entitled to it, you know. It, it just... But I did. I was I, I, I Oh gosh, it's so it feels so yucky to say that, but I was I was lucky to have a husband who just was completely hands off. Hands off. No pressure. Ever. <laughs> you know. Do you have a pen in your hand? I do, I'm clicking, I'm really nervous. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's
0: totally clicking. fine. You know, I'll yes, put it in. I think we're gonna keep that on the podcast because it's self- soothing and that's what we want to encourage all of us to do is these self-soothing behaviors so then the safety aspect for you was a big part of your journey and since i do want to give listeners some overview of my philosophy that's a great place to start because This radical safety is something I see is so lacking. And I call it radical. And yet it's so basic that we would have... It should not be radical. It should not be radical, but looked in the view of culture, it is. And then when women are starting to... I don't even want to use the word rebel. But they're starting. Their systems are saying, "I'm not okay here. This doesn't feel good." Then they're diagnosed or they're labeled as having low sex drive or low libido. Mm-hmm.
1: So when when you say low libido, like what what do you think that that means? What like what are the reasons that culture tells us we have this? And then what do you think the reasons are? Well, I think we could
0: probably brainstorm some reasons together. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have
1: some ideas for yourself? I mean, at one point I thought it was because I was had postpartum depression, you know, I pathologized myself yeah. and my mental health. And then I was taking, um, depression medication and blamed it on that, you know? Um, so those are some of the things that like we're rolling, you know, hormones, you know, yeah, that were rolling through my head pre pre-whim, pre your program, yeah, exhaustion, exhaustion being touched, Be touched out, maybe
0: some some of the you you shared that you had some trauma in your history.
1: yeah, so. um, definitely, like my trauma was felt like baggage that made me broken. like yeah. damaged goods is how I used to refer to myself in my head. Damaged goods. Damaged goods. Talk about commodifying. I know. Let's just all take a moment here
0: because I'm sure so many women listening can relate to that feeling. And then that also that there's something wrong with me physically. These hormones or the medication side effects or mental health issues mentally. So those are the common ones I see. Another one is menopause. Mm -hmm. Again, changing hormones. Uh, Sometimes women will say relationship issues too. I feel disconnected from my partner, which is certainly part of it. And also body image stuff as well. Yeah, just feeling maybe you gained weight or just just don't feel
1: comfortable in your body. And that was a big part, a big thing for me. Was um, it? I, I was physically disabled after my second birth, and so my body changed a lot um, with just because I was inactive and whatever. I mean, your body changes with time. But for me, because sex had been so performative always in the past, so much about what I looked like and so much about kind of portraying the kind of the cultural beauty ideal and very little about my own personal experience, my own true enjoyment. um, When my ability to perform in the way culturally accepted, culturally beautiful way um, was taken from me by you know motherhood and change when that went away, when that body went away. Yeah, it was really hard to f- feel like I could do it right anymore. Wow. Does that make sense? I don't know. Oh my gosh, yes. There's going to be so many
0: heads nodding. Do it right. Yeah. And that's kind of the premise of other other stuff out there you know whether it's blog posts or books or podcasts it's around libido and sex drive is if we can fix your desire then you can perform again and that has never sat right with me and always felt really icky even though i know a lot of the women come into my world because that's what they want to do. That's what they want to accomplish. They have a husband who has a need. They feel like a bad wife. And they want to be that person for their partner. They feel guilty and
1: broken. Yeah, and you know, for me, I like I I want a marriage that is <sighs> I want a marriage that's connected and intimate and fulfilling. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a common want, especially in this age of social media, which kind of adds another layer of that onto it. What does that look like? Mm. Usually it's a, a pretty hot couple traveling we get
1: our ideas of those things yeah you know i um growing up in my home sat on sunday mornings uh my parents door was always locked and i'd want to come and snuggle and like get into bed with them and i'd knock on the door and because it was locked i normally would just walk right in but it was locked so i couldn't so i had to knock on the door and um my mom was always like hauling a haul and tail to the bathroom and my dad was like just getting out of bed you know like and I mean I was I think I was probably like 12 or 13 because I'm I was a little bit of a late bloomer on like understanding the things when I figured out like what was going on and all my friends when I ta- told them about that were all like yeah like ew, I don't want really to think about my parents and I like from the very beginning was like oh no that's good that means they're in love like you know, that means they love each other, that they are committed, you know, that they, that this part of their life that's just theirs is alive and well, despite, uh, you know, having kids and busy lives. And I, it was, even as a kid, I, I liked the idea that they were still in love with each other. Yeah. That is
0: literally our home right now. Sunday mornings <laughs> locked door and that's wonderful for me to hear I'm sure we'll talk a lot about talking to kids about sex in future episodes and also it's really nice to hear that that was a positive
1: experience for you that's very rare yeah I know I know yeah I interpretate a, I feel like I've always been kind of a couple therapist <laughs> like, yeah, you know, 12. like <laughs> yeah I mean just you know like I just always had that like Like I wanted my, I loved that my family, that my parents loved each other. I loved that. I was aware of it too. Mm
0: -hmm. And so you wanted that. You didn't want a quote unquote sexless marriage or a passionless marriage. You wanted that for yourself as well when you were looking
1: at. Part of me did. And Mm -hmm. the other part of me knew it was going to be flipping hard work and I didn't want to do it. And like. There's, so true. There's, there's still times, Jenna, where I'm like, you know what? I could just, like, I could just not ever and just be best friends with my husband because he is my best friend and just, like, be, t- you know, like, it would just, this would be so easy, but it wouldn't be, I don't know. It's also, like, yeah, th- so there's, I mean, like, I believe in us having parts of ourselves, you know, like, I just, like, it. There's part of me that knows, like, knows that I want more, and then there's part of me that at, at times is just like, oh, can it just be, like, you know, it just, no. You know, like, it just, you know, it just wants to, to hide or pu- pull away and, I don't know, and not do the vulnerable thing, you know? Mm. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. Of course. Of course, so many women listening to this will feel like, okay, I want to want it. But also, can I never have it again? Is that? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Can I? Yes,
1: yes. And that
0: makes sense because it's like you said, it's vulnerable. It's you got to wait. It's complicated. You got to wade through communication stuff. You got to wade through cultural stuff. And I really do believe that it will get easier if we do the work now as women, it will get easier if we do have better messages. When we grow up, we have better stuff on TV. We have more honest conversations about sex. It will get there. I know, I I think it's going to take a couple generations. So I feel like I've come to the conclusion that this is what we'll be doing for our generation.
1: It yeah. Will... Where the inflection point where the,
0: the tides are changing. The tides now. are changing. And so we are on the forefront. And so it is, I am always in a bit of a tricky position when I help women want to enjoy sex more because I do not want to ever pressure or push or do any of the guilt stuff that I see other experts doing, like yeah. it's, it's good for your marriage and showing statistics about how couples who don't have sex, how they, you know, they struggle in other areas. I just think, come on, really?
1: We're going to fight pressure with pressure? <laughs> that's, not, that's not how we do it. There's nothing le- less attractive. Than pressure and obligation. <laughs> like it's, it's like a major turn off. It'll
0: shut your body down like yeah. nothing else. And furthermore, really, we don't want women trying to improve their sex lives, doing more of what they did in the past, which is what does my husband need and how can I rise up to that? Yeah. When I do surveys, a lot of women say, these are anonymous surveys of hundreds of women, they'll mostly say I wanna have a sex drive that matches my husband. So the men are seen as having the ideal sexual response or experience and the women wanna match that. And no wonder we have, I'd say 50% of women that I serve, women married to men, not wanting or enjoying sex very much because it doesn't work for them.
1: yeah. and I mean, and the messages we get, too, like I think the most radical thing that you taught me, Jana, was that like it was for me, not for my marriage and not for my husband, but for me. That was radical and really hard to wrap my head around. and I honestly still grapple with that because I have, 30 you know I wouldn't I take your course when I was 37 I had 37 years of of unlearning to do. It's massively difficult to unlearn that level of cultural conditioning you know
0: I I do too and yeah. I teach this and I live and breathe it and that's why I really have come to accept that I think this is this is what we do that we are having to relearn weekly, daily,
1: yeah, and
0: tell ourselves, this is for me not... Now, I have to be clear about this because sometimes people misinterpret what I'm saying when I say sex is good for you. It's almost like the sex that you were having before, you need to make it good for you, like kale, you know, or drink (laughs) kale or or running or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Drinking water is good for you. Okay, now eight glasses of water. No, you have to redesign sex so that it's good for you.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The difference between drinking a glass of water because it's good for you versus putting it in a glass that is appealing to you, that you like um, with lemon slices, that's the right temperature for you. That, that is different than Susie down the street and Betty next door. We all like different temperatures of water has just the right amount of ice, just the right lemon slice or, you know, cucumber in the summertime. And, you know, that's has the, the glass has the right feel in your hand. Like there's a glass of water and then there's a glass of water. And we, we all know that too, you know, and, Chugging your glass of water because it's an obligation is different than savoring this, you know, this delightful glass of water that you've thought put time and thinking into and what's going to taste really good. It's I know we're talking about water, but it's like ugh, nearly 100 degrees where I am right now. And like, seriously, a glass of water is uh, a delightful pleasure, <laughs> right? You know, when when it's so hot out.
0: I love that. It's just pouring rain and cold and windy. <laughs> so that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And then also the choice. Mm-hmm. So you could have someone say, you have to drink eight glasses of water a day. And almost attach that to some sort of moral obligation or failing.
1: You're a bad you, human if you don't drink eight.
0: Yeah, I felt that way before. Yeah, or, You
1: know, versus you're not taking care of your body. You're not taking good care of yourself if you don't have it You're letting
0: yourself go or you're not doing self-care or whatever. Versus, okay, let me learn about my body. I'm 90% water. I think I've heard that before. I haven't gotten that wrong. A huge percentage of us is water. And it makes a lot of sense that nourishing my body with more of that would feel really good and do I want to do that? Because I have a choice. I can take knowledge and then I can, and I'm allowed to say, you know what? I never want to drink water again. I'm allowed to do yeah. that. And there's permission there.
1: I just had a thought, Janet. it's, it's wild to me. That this is seems radical because right we're talking about water, but we're really we're talking about sex, right? Yeah. Anyone not pick that up? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, but so in the world, in the world, the parents and families that I work with, the the parenting world that I'm in, so I'm a respectful parenting educator. Most of the parents that I work with and the families I work with are completely on board that if your child, that like, if my child does not want to hug you, grandma, or hug you, grandpa. They don't have to, and they would never have to hug you ever in their entire life. They can learn how to give a high five if they would prefer a high five. They can, you know, um, have a special handshake. Um, they can not touch you. And it's my job as their parent to let them know that it's their body, their, and their choice, and they do not have to hug you to make grandma feel, they don't have to hug grandma to make grandma feel good about herself. Right. And I'm guessing that many of the people who are listening are like, yeah, that makes sense. We don't want art to force our kids to give affection to people. We want them to come from within them. We want them, you know, if they, they are feeling like a hug from grandma, great. And if they're not like, oh, OK, it's no, it should be no big deal. And grandma should have no hang ups. And if grandma has a hang up about not getting a hug from their grandchild when they walk in the door, like grandma's got some work to do, grandma's you know, got- to do. This is what I teach. And lots of most pa- families know most adults these days who are raising young kids are on board with that. Maybe they've never heard of it before. They've never considered like, you mean I don't have to make my kid hug their grandparent? But once they do, it makes complete sense. Yeah, this is what we want our kids to know. We want our kids to know that they don't have to hug anybody they don't want to, right? And yet we struggle in our marriages. Mm. It's... To, to have, to embody that same bodily autonomy, principles, and values within our marriages. Do you know what I mean? Is that like parallel there? A hundred percent.
0: A hundred percent. And it is that entitlement that men have over women's bodies and also our conditioning that that is our role. Is yeah. to Is to offer up as almost a sacrifice our bodies to men. And so it sometimes it puts me in an interesting position, because I really want to offer how to want and enjoy sex more. And I need to do that in a way that is so permission focused, so safe, so, so much consent, and never ever bringing guilt or shame or coercion at all into it. And also you're listening to this podcast, so you do want to know how to enjoy it and want it more. So it's that balance that I'm always trying to find. And the way I approach it is with a lot of my own story. Because I know what it's like, and I shared that in the first episode. If you haven't listened to that already, I know what it's like to feel that those confusing feelings of guilt, resentment, yet longing for that passion, that connection, that intimacy and closeness, that repulsion. It, it's just—it's so much comes along with it. So.
1: It's so complicated. Yeah. And yet it's simple. And yet it's
0: simple because like going back to the glass of water analogy, it's I have a body and my body has senses and my senses can feel not so great. They can feel neutral and they can feel a little good. And When I have space and freedom to explore and learn, not in a performative way, but in a in a genuine feeling good way. In the bedroom with somebody who upholds that safety for me and that comfort and protection and is there to respond to my sophisticated womanly changing desires and needs. I mean, that connection can happen and it's not everything in a marriage. It's, you know, there's lots of other ways to connect and have fun. You can clean the garage together and feel like a team. So in another sense, it's sort of blown out of proportion as well. So it's, it's a small, lovely, fun thing to do with each other. And so that's what I hope to bring. I hope to bring conversations like this, more of these conversations every week with uh, with real women, with real stories and to be honest about the journey, not to sugarcoat it, not to make it make it seem overly simplified. and to just give a tremendous amount of permission for things to be messy and weird and awkward and uncomfortable and, and also some delight in there and some feelings of relief and hope. I feel like we're coming to a natural, closure to I this agree. episode. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I felt like I didn't want to say anything because you were wrapping up so beautifully. Yeah. Thank you, Jana, for thank you holding a, a, a space for me to do some processing. And thank you, listeners, <laughs> for holding that space too.
0: Yeah, I was, I have been wanting to do this podcast for a really long time now. And When I landed on having conversations, that's when it just made so much sense to me.
1: Yeah, conversations are the best.
0: Because we need each other as women. We do. We need the real stuff as women. No more of this, we have a hot sex life situation. Mm -hmm. What does that even mean?
1: (laughs) You know? I mean there's a yeah i mean i think you're helping us redefine what that means and you it cannot be defined like there can't be one definition it Mm -hmm. has to be as unique and individual as every woman who's saying we have a hot text Mm life. this is what it means for me you know Mm -hmm. yeah Oh,
0: thank you for coming on. And I'm, I'm like I said in the beginning, I'm sure we're going to have many, many more conversations to come if you will come back. I hope you will.
1: Absolutely. Of course. <laughs>
0: and it's interesting because you also have a podcast, you also have a business. And so maybe want to share a little bit about that and how people could learn about what you do and how you help other women. Um, and men as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and folks, you know, so um, yeah, I have a a podcast called The Balanced Parent. uh, And we have a wide range of conversations um, on topics related to conscious and respectful parenting, um, conscious and respectful partnering, uh, and taking really, really good care of yourself. So we kind of, rotate through those three core areas parenting relationships and and self-work inner work um so the podcast is there i i have courses and programs and a membership that are all places to get support but primarily focused on on parenting on on kids really deeply understanding your child and deeply understanding yourself as a parent um which ultimately you know the the work that you and i do Jana, is very similar in that um in order to make change in a very significant relationship we have to work really hard to get to know ourselves and we have to do the inner work um first and foremost you know and so Mm -hmm. it's very very aligned very aligned
0: okay well That wraps up my second episode. Woo, we did it. (laughs) And I will see you all or hear you all or talk to you all in the next one. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, it has a little button that says latest episodes if you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews there's a little purple writing thing that <laughs> says write a review if you click on that it will ask you to give it a five stars actually you can put any stars but five is what i would love and put a title and then write your review thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful if you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want to enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you you can go to janet dentonhouse.com wanting it more to sign up for the wait list to learn more to see when we're running our next round all right that's it i'll see you next one